And thank you for that. Uh, so Pastor gave me the keys to the car today, and hopefully I will not crash it. Um, so, um, but on this Memorial Day, um, we, we read this earlier this week, and I thought it was very fitting um, from CLA when they uh, talked about Memorial Day. During the United States Civil War from 1861 to 65, hundreds of thousands of casualties occurred. In the years after this awful war, it became customary for citizens to visit cemeteries to honor the service of the military personnel who died in the war, first starting with the Union and later the Confederacy. Originally known as Decoration Day and celebrated on May 30th each year, it became a time to officially remember fallen service members and to mourn their loss. Now celebrated on the last Monday of, of May, the purpose of Memorial Day remains unchanged. It is a day that we set aside to remember the men and women who paid the ultimate price to defend the freedom of the United States. And it's fitting for us to honor the memory of those national heroes. As a Christian, as, a, as a, an American, we ought to remember those who gave their lives. And we have memorials for that. We have uh, testaments to them. Um, uh, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, the, the Vietnam Memorial, the World War II Memorial. We have different things to look towards um, to recognize them as individuals who gave their lives for our country. As Christians, we also have the opportunity to, to think of those who've impacted our lives and lives of others for the cause of Christ. And uh, I hope to do that today. I hope that I can um, maybe stir up some memories in your mind uh, honor some, some people that you may know and, and uh, um, some of you, you don't. I'm going to introduce one to you that I, I've never really talked much about. You never got the chance to meet. But uh, it's a time for us to, to remember, a time for us to memorialize um, those who, who, who have gone on and those who are, who are not with us anymore. We're going to be doing that for Brother Ludwig here very soon. Next Saturday, we're going to honor him and his memory and what he meant to us, what he meant to the Savior but I've got a, a few people I would like to talk to you if, you, if you would allow me to do so today. Some people that have been important in my life, um, uh, whether it be a short time or whether it be my whole life. Um, I want to introduce you to uh, uh, Robert Franklin, Bob Franklin, my father. He never got to meet you. Uh, he was in his later uh, stages of life as, as we came here uh, to California. Um, he usually always tried to visit me wherever I was stationed. Um, but he, uh, he's a retired Air Force colonel, 26 years serving, the, serving his country. And he had a severe, uh, uh, I say severe, a wonderfully severe impact on my life and what, uh, why I went into the military and why uh, I stayed in till retirement and why I'm here today. Um, my dad, he was a successful helicopter pilot. He started off as a, as a, as a pilot flying cargo planes, and then transitioned to helicopters and went to Vietnam, where he was gone for a year. My mom raised three children, me, a one-year-old, a two-year-old brother, and a four-year-old daughter, um, and for a whole year without him. She's the true hero, I would say. She has all the gray hair to show it. But, she, uh, but he, uh, he got saved before he went to Vietnam. And he, but he'll, he'll admit he was backslidden later on. In fact, he was waiting for his sons to grow up so he could cuss and discuss and, and be one of the boys. But he was a faithful man. He, uh, 
he was, like I said, he was a successful helicopter pilot. Um, uh, he, he, he caused me to want to be a pilot uh, in my career. I wanted to go into the Air Force and be a pilot. That didn't work out, but I still got my license. But I remember one time in second grade, we were stationed down at Edwards Air Force Base, the home of the test pilots. And he was not a test pilot, but he was a rescue pilot there. They had a detachment that he was in charge of, a senior captain. He was in charge of this detachment, had several helicopters. He got to do some fun stuff. He got to be in movies. He got to save people in the mountains down there and um, save test pilots who, who had crashed. And uh, he had several uh, of those saves. But, uh, but most memorably, I remember a field trip. It was nearing our time at the end of that assignment that my second grade class and my brother who had uh, his class, we went to, the, to his hangar, we went to the flight line with all of our, our friends and teachers, and, and we got to do a field trip of the, of the rescue unit there. And we got there, and they bust us to the hangar, and he wasn't, you know, nobody was there. Nobody was there to greet us. Nobody, we were like, we're outside the hangar, we're like, wondering what's going on? And, and all of a sudden, the helicopter swoops over and lands, and just perfect landing. It was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. It was my dad. And I got, I got to, I got, I, I mean, I was proud. That was my dad. And he gets out of the helicopter. It was his, it was his final flight, Finney flight, as Dustin would remember. It's your final flight. So he was going to get wet. They soaked him down with the hoses, and, and uh, uh, he was going to be giving up his uh, detachment command. But, but I got to see him in action, and boy, I was so proud. Made me want to be a pilot. And the years go on, and I'm getting closer to being a, uh, to going into the Air Force. I'm, I'm in ROTC, and I'm get, he's going to be commissioning me uh, as a second lieutenant, um, which he gets the honor of doing as an officer. And so um, one other thing just was he shared with me that was very impactful. He, as he was explaining to me, he said, John, he, he, loved, he said, I loved being an officer in the Air Force. I loved uh, flying. I loved doing all that. That was great. I loved, but I loved leading people. I loved being in charge of things that, that, uh, that I was given authority over and, uh, and trying to, uh, uh, as I talked earlier, trying to uh, uh, pass down the vision of my boss on, uh, and, and just leading people. And so his final assignment uh, uh, was at Shepard Air Force Base in Texas, not far from where I was at school, about four hours away. And he, he was a, a, a training group commander. Uh, for actually civil engineering, uh, guys who were learning HVAC, plumbing, different things, uh, construction, different things for young airmen who had come out of basic training. Uh, they spent their time in basic training down in, in Lackland, and then they had come up to Shepard and learned their skill for the Air Force before they go to their first assignment. And so his job was to get them trained, get them uh, qualified in their jobs so they could be useful to their, their detachment, their, their, their unit that they would go to. And he shared with me a letter. He said, sometimes, John, it's not all fun and games. Sometimes you have to make the tough decisions. And he shared with me a letter of a, of a man who was no longer an airman in the, in the Air Force. He was a civilian. And that civilian was thanking him. Because he had gone through basic training, and he barely got through. And he was getting through the different levels of the technical training and finishing off in my dad's unit. And, and he, was, he was just not conforming. He was not doing well. He was not going to, what my dad recognizes, he was not going to be a successful airman. This was not for him. 
He had to make the call. He had dreamed of being in the Air Force, and other people had dreamed for him of being in the Air Force, but he just was not making the cut. And so far, he had been kind of pushed along. We see that in society today right now. We push students along that uh, just there'll be somebody else's problem. There'll be, you know, somebody else. I'll just push them along. They'll, they'll get. And that was what was happening in his life. And he needed someone who made the tough call. And it, it's a gut-wrenching call when you, when you, when you end someone's career. Um, you feel like you're doing it. Uh, I've had to do it myself. And, and I was always reminded of this letter where he thanked my dad. And he said, although it hurt me when it happened, thank you for making the tough choice because I'm doing well now. And he was, he was prospering in a job uh, in his hometown, and he just he had to send a letter to my dad to thank him for a tough decision in his life. And my dad shared that with me because he says, it's not all fun and games, but it's important. And finally, he sh- I'm just reminded of his love for my mom and us and his leadership and guidance in our lives. And today he lives on in his children. My brother and I will, will very often say phrases where my wife will say, well, well, that's good, Bob, because I sounded like my dad. And, I, and I, I'm okay with that. He's, he's immortal to me. So he, thank you for indulging me for a moment. He's a man you never got to meet, but he's one of the reasons uh, why I am the way I am. But let me share a couple other people maybe you do know. Ron Jewell. And I got permission. I got permission to talk about these gentlemen today from their spouses. Ron Jewell, he went home to be with the Lord this past February. Senior saint in our midst and a giant among us. I know if you knew him, you're thinking the same thing. He was a giant of the faith. He was dedicated to his heavenly, heavenly father. He was dedicated to his church. He was dedicated to, his, to the people. He was dedicated to his pastor. Ron was faithful in service. He was an usher, whether it's teaching a class. Um, I, I think Ron was born saved. I, I, you know, I think he was just, he was, if, you know, it's not biblical, but I just think he was born saved. I just can't imagine him not being saved. But he was a giant. And if you let him, it, it, he would impact your life. And I remember, we don't have a deacon board. Uh, here we have uh, a group of faithful men and I, I kind of I, I hate I kind of the word kind of I feel kind of ashamed that I, I don't feel as faithful as many other people but 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 we're there to to help advise the pastor help to make decisions uh, looking over the budget looking over decisions we need to make um, uh, rightfully so that a pastor doesn't make decisions all oneself but but with counsel makes decisions. And I'll tell you, in meetings, many times, we'll, we'll have food, we'll have meetings, and a lot of us, I know me, I like to hear myself talk. And I don't like dead air, right? You know, so you, you want to talk, you want to you uh, fill in the dead air, but that's not, not, not necessarily wise. And Brother Ron is slow to speak. Brother Ron was uh, a man who he would listen intently to everybody and listen to the pastor and listen to what the situation is. And invariably, every time we needed to make a decision on something, we would look at him last. And say, Ron, what do you think? And his, his, uh, his, it, was, it was sage advice. And I, don't, I think we always went with what he said. And because, because he had experience he loved the Lord. He had spent time in the military. He was a retired senior master sergeant. I got to, I got to uh, speak at his, uh, 
at his funeral, this great sight. What a, what a great honor. But he was a man uh, of faith. He was a man who, who again, when he spoke, he, he meant it. And, and it, was, it was thoughtful. And we, as people, need to think about that. When, when, uh, when you take counsel, look at the, look at the, the wise. Look at the, look at the gray hairs. They're important to us. And, they're, and they have experience. They might have been exactly where you are. You know, I'm reminded, if you, if you open your Bible, I'm reminded in 1 Kings chapter 12. I'll get there real quick. Um, 1 Kings chapter 12. Solomon has now passed away. Solomon being a king after David. Solomon getting to the wisest man alive and getting to uh, lead the nation of Israel. And now his son, Rehoboam, is king. Rehoboam had many opportunities, I would think, to do the same thing his dad did. When God said to, um, to, to Solomon, what can I give you? Um, you would expect, I know what I would ask for, uh, I want the biggest throne, I want, the, you know, I want wealth, all this stuff, but that's not what he asked for. He said, give me, give me wisdom to lead your people. It was, there was, he was uh, subservient to God saying, I need your wisdom to lead the people, and God gave him that and more. Rehoboam, he had an opportunity. Um, he wasn't seeking God, but he was seeking counsel. Um, it's in uh, verse 6 of chapter 12. And King Rehoboam consulted with the old men. Here was his opportunity. That stood before, these men stood before Solomon and saw Solomon. He stood before Solomon, his father, while he was yet alive and said, How do you advise that I should answer this people? Uh, Jeroboam had come to, to uh, talk to him and he, needed, he sent them away and he needed to answer them. And, and uh, he, he looked to the old men. He looked at the men that stood before Solomon. And they spake unto him saying, If thou wilt be a servant unto this people this day and will serve them and answer them and speak good words to them, then they will be thy servants forever. But... But he forsook the counsel of the old men, which they had given him, and consulted with the young men that were grown up with him, which stood before him. And he said unto them, What counsel give ye that we may answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, Make the yoke which thy father did put upon us lighter? And the young men that were grown up with him spake unto him, saying, Thou shalt speak unto the people that spake unto thee, saying, Thy father made your yoke heavy, but make it the lighter unto us. Thus shalt thou, thou say unto them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins. And now, whereas my father has laid you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father has chastised you with whips. I will chastise you with scorpions. He took the counsel of the young men and not the old men. And I'm reminded of that when I think of Brother Jewel. We, we needed his counsel. We needed, we needed that, uh, that seniority, that, that, uh, that wise counsel that God put into his heart in our lives here. And I'm just so thankful for his service to us and his service to our country. Thirdly, bring to remembrance Brother Jim Cole. Some of you are new here. You've never met Jim Cole. Uh, when, when we got stationed here uh, to, to uh, Beale and came to our first service at the church, 
the first man I met at the door was Jim Cole. He was an usher. And he, um, he greeted us in, welcomed, welcomed us in, and introduced me to Miss Joanne. We were here for our first service, and then we never left. And he was faithful, faithful man. Jim is an interesting character. Jim is a former Navy. He was a CV, which is construction. And he carried that on into his life where he was a, where he was a uh, heavy equipment operator, retired as a heavy equipment operator. But he was your typical Navy guy. Tattoos, cuss, disgust, drink, smoke, whatever. He was that, that what you would typically think. He was Popeye. He, I don't even know if he had a corncob pipe, maybe. You know, the big arms, I'm sure. You know, the CBs, those guys were just, just muscle. But I didn't know him then. I knew him as a man serving God. When he was 50, he got saved. And if there's a word for getting saved, that is getting saved. His life changed for his family, for himself, and he was all in. He recognized that God was God. And so I didn't get to see that transformation, but I saw the product years later when he was here and and we got here. So as the years go on, this was 2012, um, he passed away in 2017, but a few years before that, he had started getting uh, 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 memory issues and, and uh, dementia, uh, you know, just getting slower and, and forgetful. And, but he's faithful to church, always faithful to church. And me being the, uh, it was a Wednesday night, pastor, had, uh, we, we have our normal Wednesday night service, but he, he, we started uh, uh, doing the prayer time at the altar for the men and, the, and, and, and families gathering together to pray. And just a time for uh, being a house of prayers, he says. And Jim Cole sitting there next to his wife, and I being the, the young 40-year-old uh, uh, good Christian that I am, I'll go I'll go take him up to the front. I'll go, I'll go ask him and see if he would want to pray with me. And I'll, I'll be a blessing to Brother Cole, brother, brother Cole. So I do. I go, I, I'm in this for myself, right? And so, uh, so I, I go and I tap him on the shoulder. I say, Brother Cole, would you like to go up and pray with me? And he goes, sure. And he, he gets his walker. We come up. And we sit down right there where Brother Brian is. We you know, didn't come up here. We just sat down. No sooner did we sit down than I felt I was in the wrong place. Okay, so let me give you a little background. I, I had spent some time at the Pentagon. I've been around four-star generals, not that I wanted to, but, but I've, been in a, I've seen the rooms. I've seen the, the decorations in, in, this, in this massive place and the beautiful wood walls and, and these executive suites and, and things. I've seen the, the Secretary of Defense's office and and. At that moment, the only thing I could equate it to is I had just walked in to a meeting with the Secretary of Defense and his number one general, who's both his number one general and his best friend. And I was in the wrong place. Oops, have you ever walked in on a meeting you shouldn't be in? Especially a meeting of high-ranking officials? I, I, he, he talked with God like he was his best friend and he had been on assignment, and God had, was welcoming him back and was getting a report, and, and I said nothing. I had tears rolling down my face because here's this man who we're seeing 
uh, age and uh, the body uh, turning to uh, losing the mind, losing memory, losing uh, maybe focus, losing who, who this person is and who that person is. And we might say, he's, he's no longer used of God. But what that showed me was God had a hold of him. And I was so ashamed. Here I was going to help him, and boy, did he help me. I will never forget that encounter that I met a man and his God. And I said, that's the God I want. And I said, I want him to hold on to me like he's holding on to him. There'll be a time to go home, and God chose that for Jim. But God never let go of him while he was here, and that was proof of it. This man, this, this, uh, this CB, this, this man who, who had seen his life turn around, excuse me, turn around where you can't even recognize what he used to be. And he was here for the Lord. I'm so thankful for Jim Cole. He was a giant. And we've had, and, and we could talk about many. We, talk, we read some names here, Sandra Moore and, and uh, the brother Mrs. Poss and brother Ludwig we're going to honor next weekend. I'm so thankful for them. Memorial Day is an official time to remember our lost men and women. And we remember those who've impacted our lives for the Lord. In the Bible, I read, I read you a verse out of uh, Exodus. That's the first time the word memorial is used. Memorial is used 32 times in the Bible uh, out of 31 verses. And most of it being in the Old Testament. Uh, we see times when they, they set up uh, memorials uh, to honor something that God did or, uh, uh, through them, uh, whether it would be a memorial of, of, of stones as they crossed the Jordan, uh, whether it be uh, the memorial called Ed, if you remember, Ed, look it up. Ed, you know, we will name him Ed, a memorial that the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, as they went back to take their land over, um, uh, over uh, on the west side of the Jordan. And remember, the Israelites thought, oh my gosh, they're, they're making their own altar, so they're going to worship a different God. And they had to go confront them. They said, no, this is in memorial to our Heavenly Father who loved us and got us out of Egypt. It was a memorial, and we named him Ed. <laughs> so, I love that, Ed. Uh, so, but, but memorials are something that we, we put in front of us to remember, just as those memorials in D.C. And some of the memorials around here, we have um, wonderful um, military grave sites uh, at, at Dixon and, and uh, around the country, um, and, and military sections of uh, of. Uh, cemeteries that honor those that serve their, their country. But one thing I'm reminded of is that we have the great, greatest memorial, I think, in the Bible. Memorial. The wonderful thing about our Bible, though, it's not, uh, it, it could get dust on it and it could grow old from lack of use. But actually, it's living. It's real. And then when we open it, it's still alive. But it's a memorial that points us to the same Heavenly Father that saved Jim Cole and Ron Jewell and my dad and many of us here. It's a memorial. It's a, it's a, it's a chance for us. To, it all points towards, towards Christ. In fact... One of the last few times it says memorials in the New Testament and uh, in three verses, and two of those verses is about the same woman. 
In Matthew 26, 13, very last end, say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall be also this, that this woman hath done. Be told for a memorial of her. And also in Mark uh, 14, 9, verily I say unto you, whosoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of a memorial of her. A woman who, who took an alabaster box of expensive ointment and anointed the head of, of Jesus. And many ridiculed her, thinking, oh, well, you wasted, you wasted that. And he said, no, this was for me. For my burial, this was uh, this was a good thing, and we're doing the, and doing this. There will be a memorial for. Her. We're talking about her right now. It's a memorial. This Bible, this this is a memorial to a heavenly Father that loves us. Man, why would we come and worship a God that doesn't love us? Who would want to do that? And there's so many people in this world today, in our, in our own town, in wherever, who don't know this loving faith that God has for them. This Bible is a memorial. It is, it is our living memorial to what Jesus has done in the past and what he's doing now and what he's going to do in the future. And we got to see it play out in people's lives. We got to see it play out in, in Jim Cole and Ron Jewell and others. So thankful that God loves us enough to talk to us through his word and through prayer. And I hope we tap into that. That day when I was with Jim, sitting with him ashamedly, hearing his wonderful conversation with his heavenly father. We can have that. We have that. He, he made it possible to where we can have, Jim didn't have to go to a priest. He didn't have to go to the pastor. He didn't have to have a mediator. The mediator was Christ, and Christ was in that room. He had access, direct access, and we have that if we'll tap into it. And so today I just, I just wanted to remember some people that were important to us. I wanted to remember what, uh, what, how God had used certain people in my lives and our lives, and I just touched on just a few of them, but ultimately to bring us back why we're here. You may know Christ as your Savior, and I hope everybody in here does, but you might have walked in here and you're wondering, who is this Christ? I've, I've heard his name. I've heard, heard the things about it. I've read the story even. But I haven't trusted him as my Savior. And so, wouldn't it be awesome if today, a day when we are remembering um, the, the heroic acts for, of, of our fallen men and women who, who gave their lives for our country, for, for the freedoms of our country, right, wrong, or different for how our country is going, they gave their lives for it. How we, are, are we ready to give our lives for Christ? Are we ready to, to put it all out there as they have and, and for the ultimate glory, God's glory? And to, to bring people who are separated from a perfect God, where sin separates us, we're all sinners, I'm a sinner, 
and we're separated from a perfect God, but he loved us so much that he gave his son to pay the penalty for our sin. Die on a cross. Notice the cross is empty because he's not on the cross anymore. He paid that penalty that we might have eternal life, that he could pay the, 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 the final uh, sacrifice. And in the, in the Old Testament, so many sacrifices they had. Blood needed to be shed for their sin. And, they, and it was pointed in Isaiah, it was pointed to Christ, but, but we got to see Christ finalize that on the cross. The death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior. And if today you've accepted that, not just heard it, not just, oh yeah, Christ, yeah, I've heard the story. He's a good man. No, you've internalized it and said, Lord, I am nothing without you. I am, I am lost without you. I am, I am separated from you because of my sin. Not because of anything else, but my sin. And I accept that eternal payment for that sin. That, that, that final payment for our sin. And I hope every single one of us has made that choice. But if you haven't, this is the day. Memorial Day. What a, what a, what a great day to come to know the Lord if you haven't. What a great day to renew our, our life with Christ if you need to. And I just thank you. I hope, I hope there's no dents in the car today. And uh, we'll, we'll give them, give them the keys to the pulpit with no dents in it, hopefully. Dustin drives it next. Um, but I thank you for coming today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for your love for us. I thank you for your word, the memorial that you've given us uh, for, for all the generations that you say, that you, you had told Moses that, that this is going to be a memorial. They are going to know what I did, what you did for the nation of Israel and ultimately for us. Lord, I love you, and I thank you so much for your son coming to die on the cross. Lord, I just pray that today is the day that if someone doesn't know you, that they would make that personal, internal, um, uh, and, and voice a choice for you in their lives. Lord. Heads bowed, eyes uh, closed. I, I, I pray if you've, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal life, if there was a time in your life that you came to know Christ, that someone opened the, book, the, the Bible to you, this living word, they opened it to you, and they said, and they shared the, the love of Christ and what he did on the cross for you. If there was a time when you accepted him as your Savior, you accepted that saving grace that he gives, would you raise your hand and let me know? Let me know. I see hands all around. You may put them down. I know some didn't raise their hands, and I appreciate that. But if... If this is new, I don't know if this is new to you. I don't know if something, uh, if the Holy Spirit is working on your heart. I don't know if, uh, if, if maybe it's time. But if, you, if, if something was said that, that you realize how, how a man like Jim Cole, a wonderful man he was, but a man, of uh, a, a worldly man before, but God got hold of him, he can get hold of you. If you need to make that decision uh, to come to know the Lord today, please come and make that decision. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the time. I thank you for these people, the patience they have with me. I thank you that, Lord, you love them. You, Lord, love all of us. You sent your Son for us, Lord. Be with us now as we have this 
altar call as we have this time of invitation, Lord. Be with us as we uh, come to you, Lord. We thank you in your heavenly uh, name. We, we do thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.